Welcome to the 11th episode of the Tech Investors Podcast. My name is Sohail Ahmed, your host, and today is Thursday, December the 3rd, and the first episode of December, and amazing. You know, we've uh, approached the end of the year, and with uh, Christmas lights, snow, and uh, the whole uh, festive season approaching us, it's, um, you know, I think a lot of people, including myself, are relieved to see the end of 2020. Uh, but as tech investors, I think uh, you know we're going to miss 2020 because it is going to be one of the best years for technology investors in, in quite a, some time. Uh, so a bittersweet end to 2020. Um, we do have, uh, so in the midweek uh, episodes, I like to talk about strategy, insights, um, and uh, you know practical lessons for investors and then of course on the weekend episode i'd like to talk about specific stocks and investment ideas to help you get a few great potential technology stocks in your portfolio and to share some of the companies that i'm watching so uh today you know i wanted to talk about um a topic that i mentioned on the weekend uh, which has become um front and center in the investment community and that is the topic of ESG investing, environmental, social, uh, governance-based investing, and how that applies to technology stocks. Now, ESG has been around for a while, or socially responsible investing, um, as it was known. And, and, I, and it is a bit confusing because there are several terminologies that are used, but there is a distinct difference. Uh, between ESG investing, um, socially responsible SRI investing, and impact investing. Uh, so let me give you a little bit of an overview of what that is and then help you understand how you can apply that to your portfolio and why you should apply an ESG framework when making investments uh, because it is actually good for your portfolio uh, and it's good for the environment and the social impact uh, that we can make collectively right and they don't you know ESG investing and highly profitable investing do not need to be mutually uh, exclusive okay you can actually do good and make good money all right and so ESG investing um, SRI impact you know I see them as under in kind of a sustainable investing umbrella okay and, and ESG is, uh, you know, defined by Financial Times, the lexicon defines ESG as, quote, a generic term used in capital markets and used by investors to evaluate corporate behavior and to determine the future financial performance of companies. So it's used by investors to see if the corporation and its financial performance, um, how does that align with the non-financial performance indicators uh, which are how the company is governed, uh, the ethics and the policies, the environmental impact of its products and services, um, as well as um, the social impact that it uh, creates. And this way, uh, these criterion, these ESG criterion, uh, by being able to assess these criterion, you're actually able to identify some risks in the business that you may not uh, have um, foreseen. So, for example, if a company is not 
being environmentally sound, that can expose the company to potential environmental hazards and uh, litigation or liability risk, right? And um, and there's this um, kind of whole um, uh, industry that, particularly in 2020, has grown to be able to support investment managers uh, make better ESG decisions. And, um, and ESG goes beyond uh, SRI. You know, I, I think SRI, Social Responsible Investing, um, is a bit... Um, is a bit more macro doesn't really um, take into account specific uh, metrics that we're wanting to do so a social responsible investing you know let's say responsible investors evaluate companies um, you know using different metrics you know social environmental governance but they're not necessarily defined as ESG they're just wanting to make sure uh, it's more of a non-exclusionary type uh, metric whereas um, you know, so social responsible investing, SRI, primarily uses uh, negative screening methods, right? So the idea is to just exclude companies that are perhaps into gambling, tobacco, pornography, uh, and so on. So it's basically SRI investing takes out the sin stocks. You just ex- exclude those companies, exclude those sectors, and just invest in companies that don't operate in that industry. Uh, but then you don't really pay any particular attention to how those companies are actually making uh, a positive or negative impact, right? Whereas ESG investing is in class of its own. And there is a specific integration of environmental, social, and governance factors that are incorporated into the fundamental investment selection process. Okay, so investors, um, ESG investors, are not just necessarily excluding the gun makers or the uh, the tobacco makers, but they're also looking at companies that have environmentally friendly um, policies that are uh, socially responsible in the way that they operate and have good governance practices, such as that they promote diversity and inclusion. Um, and and so th- that is a distinct difference that you have to keep in mind. And I know that terms kind of uh, responsible investing, ESG is thrown around and, and people uh, think it's the same. So there is a um, distinct difference there. And then impact investing, which is kind of the third aspect, uh, is I, I think the most advanced form of sustainable investing because it not only looks at, you know, are the companies being environmentally, socially, um, and have good governance policies, but it also wants to be able to assess the and quantify and measure the environmental and social impact that these companies are having alongside the financial returns, right? So it, it, it goes in even deeper. So these are the kind of the three um, categories of, sustainable investing and ESG investing. So ESG investing particularly has become very popular. Like even you'll notice a lot of brokers, a lot of fund managers, you know, everybody's got ESG um, funds. They've got, you know, ESG um, um, policies. And and this year, 
the from even from the investor perspective then the demand people have become more conscious and aware of where their capital is being invested and they have uh, started to allocate more funds particularly the the younger generation the millennials and there was a report i believe it was from barclays uh, and we um, shared it and, and i'll maybe put a link on our linkedin uh, post for this podcast as well where uh, research by barclays uh, private client or wealth management service identified that you know the the millennials you know were kind of pushing so the grandchildren and the children of uh, you know their clients were kind of pushing and and uh, ma- making aware of you know ESG and socially and environmentally positive investing. So it was as an example, the children that were saying, you know, hey dad, you know I'm not too keen of us investing in petrochemicals. You know, so I'd rather not, you know, invest in Exxon Mobil. You know, but I'm looking at uh, this uh, solar panel or uh, electric. Uh, power generation uh, company so they're pushing their parents or their grandparents from conventional to the alternative energy and likewise on social causes they're saying you know are these companies really making a positive impact and so that's one of the things driving it and and that has resulted in the total value of ESG related funds or funds that claim to be using ESG frameworks to hit $1 trillion for the first time in history. And this is uh, based on data uh, recorded from Morningstar. Uh, and so that's uh, really great. And that means that uh, you know there's been a lot of money that's going into ESG. And so not surprisingly enough, a lot of the ESG companies that... Um, you know, kind of qualify under the ESG principles are technology companies. And that's where, according to this research by Morningstar, um, in the U.S., eight of the 10 best performing large cap ESG funds, you know, their biggest holdings were Apple, Amazon, and Microsoft. So, you, so these ESG companies or these ESG funds aren't necessarily investing in the more smaller, innovative, renewable energy companies. They're basically investing in, in the larger companies where they can see that these companies, such as Apple, is taking all reasonable uh, measures to have good environmental policies, social um, and governance frameworks, and, and they're investing in that, right? So, um, so that's, uh, you know, that is one perhaps a driver of the uh, capital and the money flow into technology companies. And, um, you know, so ESG and technology companies often go hand in hand because remember, a lot of the ESG companies are innovative companies. And technology companies have to be innovative to, to really have an edge. And what does technology do? Technology helps create efficiencies. And when you create efficiencies, you reduce waste, right? When you reduce waste through, you know, streamlined processes, you know, you're actually able to uh, make a positive impact on the environment. You're able to make positive impact on social or the society because now you can provide, you know, products and services at a lower cost and make them more accessible, 
right? This is an area that fintech, as an example, um, is very good at because you know using financial technology, you're let's say able to reduce the paperwork, reduce the paper um, uh, pushing, and take more things digital, and reduce the the impact, and then by making things more efficient, you're actually able to reduce costs, provide wider access to financial services and support financial inclusion and people that weren't maybe able to afford or access services beforehand can do so now, okay? And uh, so so that's uh, kind of an overview of uh, ESG, investing in ESG uh, strategies and how they apply to technology companies. Uh, as an investor, you know, how do I incorporate ESG uh, frameworks? So what I do is now, you know, I've, um, you know, the, the broker that I use, um, I use Interactive Brokers, uh, which is uh, widely available. You know, I, I've got actually multiple brokerage accounts, but the, the primary one that I use um, is uh, Interactive Brokers. And now Interactive Brokers has actually started to provide um, ESG uh, information or I think they call it ESG ranking so on any company you can actually get uh, kind of an ESG score and this is kind of a service that they've bolted on and is provided by third-party uh, data providers um, so you don't necessarily need to do it yourself uh, particularly for large companies many of them are covered for smaller companies you do need to build a framework um, and it becomes a little bit tedious um, and I'm originally from kind of the SRI school where you know I was simply using exclusionary um, method to just completely avoid companies that were not having any positive impact such as gambling casino uh, betting companies tobacco um, and to incorporate ESG you have to dig a little bit deeper and uh, soon I think a lot of companies uh, and this is something that here in the UK uh, the FCA is also contemplating to have companies make ESG disclosures um, and uh, a lot of companies um, are starting to do it uh, themselves to be able to get ahead of the game uh, because one challenge that we do have is that a lot of companies are kind of using that ESG uh, bandwagon and um, they're, they're claiming to be um, you know, ESG um, but what they're doing is uh, they're greenwashing, which is kind of a term that's uh, derived. And greenwashing basically means that they're kind of, uh, you know, washing themselves green where, you know, on the surface, you know, they're saying that they're responsible and doing this and that. But in fact, you know, they're not really doing anything different than they were doing beforehand. Right. And uh, uh, and technology companies in general, you know, tend not to have a reputation as, you know, big carbon emitters or you know having any uh, significant environmental impact and uh, and in general you know they have more uh, governance is a big issue with technology companies you know uh, because if you look at many technology company boards um, they're not very diversified and uh, the organizational structures so the dual class uh, share structures that google have facebook have which gives you know uh, more voting and power to the, the founders uh, and, and don't necessarily share that uh, and share more of the economic uh, rewards and risks without sharing the, um, the uh, ownership. 
So as an example with Facebook, um, as well as Google, it's almost impossible for you or the board or the investors in general to oust Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook as a CEO or as a member of the board because he uh, has a significantly large uh, voting stock in comparison to his actual uh, economic stock or the ownership. So, so as an example, if he has like, uh, these are not exact numbers, but as an example, you know, if he owns 30% of the equity, however, he has 50% of the voting stock, which means that when it comes time to voting, uh, despite him being a minority uh, shareholder, uh, he still exercises a majority influence on the company, right? So there, there are these issues within technology companies, within the governance framework that needs a bit of work. Uh, but otherwise, as technology investors, you know, ESG is great for us. I think this is going to be one of the tailwinds behind the technology sector. As more money moves into ESG funds, um, it's going to move into industries uh, such as technology, healthcare, um, and away from the industrial, uh, the energy, conventional energy, uh, the transport, right? Because those are, you know, have significantly higher uh, negative uh, environmental impacts. So I hope that gave you a, a good, quick lesson on ESG investing and how, and how that works. And um, on this weekend's, in the coming weekend's uh, episode, I'm going to be talking about a company that everybody's heard of. And I'm sure you've heard of it. Um, you've probably used their product. Uh, well, if you've kind of been around for 20 years, uh, in the industry, you've probably used their product um, and it has been forgotten pretty much of recent, except for this week where, you know, the, the stock had a move. Um, and I think, uh, you know, this, this company has been trying to do a transformation uh, for several years. And I think, it, you know, this week they finally got that news. Investors got that news, which validated that transformation of the company. Um, and I'll share details on, on that in the weekend episode. So do make sure if you haven't subscribed to the podcast already, subscribe and listen in on the Sunday episode where I will share this technology stock that I am actually looking at buying. You know, and I think I may just buy it tomorrow um, because, you know, it has stabilized. It had a huge run. OK, the stock popped um, uh, almost, uh, I think, uh, 50 percent. Uh, or more than 50%. Let me just have a quick look at the uh, stock. Yeah, yes, it did actually, you know, pop uh, more than 50% on this great news that it signed a contract. Um, and then it's uh, pulled back now. And um, I'm actually looking at uh, acquiring, I think I'll acquire a little position. So what I do, uh, this is again, a nice strategy for you to utilize. If you're looking at buying uh, shares in a business, and as an example, you're looking at buying 10,000 dollars worth of shares um, and the stock's moving and you're not sure if it's going to pull back a little bit but you do not want to be out of it what you can do is you can actually uh, you know structure your purchase and acquisition of the stock over two or three tranches so as an example if my target is to buy ten thousand dollars worth of this uh, stock what i may do is and what i will actually most likely do is tomorrow i'll buy maybe uh, $3,000 worth of stock. Then next week, if it pulls back even further, or if it doesn't pull back, I fear it's gonna start rising again. You know, I'll buy another 
3,000 or 4,000 and then I'll leave a little bit in case it does pull back more then I'll buy so it's kind of like dollar cost averaging right uh, but you're doing it over a shorter period of term uh, because what you're doing is you're just trying to get a nice average balanced uh, uh, price your average price you're just trying to balance it because when a stock's had a huge move upwards as in this case it moved up 50 percent um, now it's come back down so it's still trading at about 25 percent higher than it was just a few days ago um, you know i'm gonna look at uh, you know buying it uh, you know probably in the um, next two to three weeks and i'm gonna get the average price if i'm able to split that over uh, two to three weeks uh, but that way, you know, in case it you know, has an, another huge move upwards, I haven't missed that move. You know, I'm still participating in some way. And if it does pull back and fall back further over the next couple of weeks, with Christmas uh, coming, you know, markets usually get quieter. You know, people, investors may lose interest and I'm able to buy a bit more. All right. So that's a great approach that you can use to, uh, you know, buy into a company that's had a recent move. Uh, and I look forward to sharing that name and that technology and, you know, digging in a little bit and breaking down um, the fundamentals as well as the prospects for this business. Thank you. Um, please keep yourself uh, safe and uh, um, enjoy uh, the winter season. I, I know the days are getting shorter. The roads are getting icier, but enjoy. Stay safe. Invest wisely. God bless. Important disclaimer to keep the lawyers and the regulators happy. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Capital is at risk when investing in technology companies. Please consult with a registered financial advisor in your jurisdiction.